Training camp's about to begin for the Jets, and that means we have position battles. It's a crowded room at wide receiver. Could there be a breakout player at tight end? Who's behind Brees Hall at running back? We're talking position battles at the offensive skill positions today on Locked On Jets. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome. This is the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Tuesday, July 18th, 2023, and I'm your host, John B. from GangGreenNation.com. Thanking you so much for making the show your first listen or first watch every day. Subscribe to the show for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so that you get new episodes as soon as they're posted. If you're listening on a podcast source and enjoy the show, please give it a five-star review. If you're watching on YouTube, give this episode a big thumbs up. These things help us out and help other Jets fans find the podcast. Well, we are one day away from the Jets reporting to training camp, and training camp every year means that there are position battles. So today we're going to take a look at the offensive skill positions, which spots are open for players, which spots are up for competition. That's what we're going to discuss today. Now, I guess whenever you talk about the skill positions, you go to quarterback. I hate to tell you this. There's not really much of a position battle at quarterback this year. Jets have a new quarterback. You, you may have heard of him, Aaron Rodgers. I don't think that Aaron Rodgers is starting jobs really in much jeopardy. I don't think that's true when you trade you know, a first-round pick and a second-round pick and a pick swap in the first round. I don't think it's true when you're dealing with one of the 20 greatest quarterbacks ever, maybe one of the 10 greatest quarterbacks ever. Uh, I'll let you in on a little secret. This is some expert analysis here. Aaron Rodgers is going to be the starting quarterback. Um, I guess it's possible Zach Wilson could lose the number two job. I think at this point he's kind of penciled in as the backup quarterback. And I guess if he's really bad in training camp, maybe Tim Boyle, who they just signed, a guy with experience in the Nathaniel Hackett system, could supplant him as the number two quarterback. I, I don't think that's going to happen, though. In fact, against backups in preseason, I'm expecting Zach Wilson to play pretty well. And then you got Chris Strebler in the mix. So, we can move on from quarterback. That one's pretty easy. That, that one doesn't take a lot of analysis. Let's talk about the wide receiver room. This is an interesting spot for the Jets. Now, there are some rumblings about Corey Davis, who still is, at least at the time we're recording this podcast, and this could change at any minute. He's still under the contract he was under at the start of the offseason. There have been some talk that maybe the Jets are going to approach him about potentially restructuring his deal maybe taking a pay cut there have even been some rumblings about him you know moving elsewhere i think the jets lack of interest in deandre hopkins is perhaps an indication that they like what they have at receiver and i would guess that includes Corey davis because if you get rid of Corey davis this group starts to look a lot thinner and when you look at this jets receiving group right now you have five guys who at least have some degree of a reputation in this league so you've got garrett wilson who's the number one guy an 1100 yard receiver alan lazard was just signed in free agency to a fairly fairly lucrative contract Corey davis is at least at the time we're recording this is still in the mix at his current salary uh beyond that you have randall cobb a longtime veteran who's you know been in pretty steep decline and you have Nicole hardman who was a former second round pick of the kansas city chiefs shown, shown to be a player who belongs in the nfl maybe did not quite reach the expectations the Chiefs, the Chiefs had for him when they drafted him all those years ago. And part of the reason I say that is if you go back 
to that point when the Chiefs drafted Michael Hardman. I think that they kind of viewed him as the Jalen Waddle to Tyreek Hill. I think they were kind of aiming for what Miami has with the two speedsters at receiver and Hardman, you know, showed he belongs in the NFL. He was good enough to get a second contract in the league, but never really developed into the, the star level performer. And I, I, the way I view this is not so much that there are guys battling for a starting role. I, I think that sometimes these position battles are more about carving out your specific role. And I think it's partially about who gets, who gets the, who gets the most playing time. I think all five of these guys are going to see a degree of playing time. Now, Garrett Wilson should never come off the field. I mean, I, I remember last year, the Jets kind of opened the season. Even week one, Wilson wasn't really the uh, the starter at wide receiver. Then he had that monster game against Cleveland week two. You know, Garrett Wilson should never come off the field. He should be he should be there nonstop. In fact, if anything, I'd like to see his touches go up this year. I'd like to see the Jets maybe utilize him a little bit more in space and see maybe if he can – get deep a little bit more. I, I think if anything, Garrett Wilson should, should see the field more frequently. So after him, I think this is where things get interesting. And if you follow the way Nathaniel Hackett runs his offense, or at least has historically in Green Bay in Denver, he likes to have kind of a bigger bodied receiver in the middle of the field. You know, when you talk about slot receivers in the NFL, your, your thoughts typically go to guys like Jamison Crowder or Braxton Berrios, guys who are kind of quick, short area quickness because you're playing in the middle of the field, so you got a lot of option routes where you could break left, you could break right, depending on uh, the defender's alignments. It's essentially up to you to read it and then use your quickness to create quick separation. Nathaniel Hackett kind of likes to go, go in the other direction. Now, I think that there will be times where you'll see Randall Cobb on the field. There will be times you'll see Nicole Hardman in the slot. And those two kind of complement each other because Hardman's still got a lot of speed. Cobb doesn't have much speed, but he's more of a professional route runner. He kind of knows where to get on the field. So when you're looking for a traditional slot guy, depending on what you want in that situation, uh, you know it could be Cobb or it could be Hardman. But I think that you're going to see Alan Lazard play slot more than you're expecting. A lot of people are expecting. He actually played a fair amount of the slot in Green Bay, and I think part of this is the weakness at the tight end position for the Jets. Uh, you know, Conklin and Uzama not exactly the dynamic duo at tight end and Hackett when he runs his offense. I think he really likes to have that big body receiver in the middle of the field in part because he likes to use them as a blocker. And so you, with Hackett, you see a lot of two tight end sets. You also saw that with Mike LaFleur, but LaFleur likes to run more traditional tight ends. So either, you know, just two tight ends on the line or one tight end out or one tight end at the end of the line. And then another kind of playing the fullback role. Hackett likes to flex his tight ends into the slot more. So if you're not going to use the tight ends as much, you might want to use a bigger bodied receiver like Lazard or a Corey Davis, guys who have a pretty good reputation as blockers. As I said, I, I think that this is, I don't even know if it's a camp battle, but I think that if they're competing for anything, it's not necessarily going to be a spot where you're going to see guys stay on the field hundred percent of the time. I think there's going to be a rotation at the wide receiver position for the jets and I get the feeling that Daniel Hackett wants some versatility in this group. And when I say versatility, I mean who plays outside versus who plays in the slot. Because I think almost all these receivers have the ability to play in the slot. You, know, you have Davis and you have Lazard, who can kind of be the bigger-bodied slot receivers who can help you out in the run game. And then you have Garrett Wilson, who when the Jets drafted him, I actually thought that there was a good chance he'd see a lot of time in the slot just because of his skill set. Now, he's got also got this pretty good skill set for the outside, but... You have to remember when the Jets drafted him, 
we were coming off the big Cooper Cup season where he just dominated in the slot. So I wouldn't be shocked to see. I, I, I think that those days are go- the days where I think Garrett Wilson's a full-time slot receiver are gone, but I think you'll see him in the slot a fair amount because he's, he's so effortless changing directions. He can create quick separation very easily, which means that there will be moments where you'll put him into the slot. And then you also have Cobb and Hardman. And I think Cobb is probably more of a slot receiver. If he's anything, he's a slot receiver at this point, but Hardman, Although he's, you know, he's a little undersized, he still has got the speed conceivably to see some reps outside and at least help the Jets, maybe help the Jets a little bit as a deep threat. So I think you're, you're going to see like a five-man rotation here at the wide receiver position. You'll see guys moving all, all over the formation, and it's, it's going to be a really interesting look. The only guy who I think never comes off the field is Garrett Wilson, except when he needs a rest because he's obviously the – cream of the crop when we're talking about Jets receivers. Everybody else will kind of rotate in. You'll see guys play outside. You'll see guys play the slot. And then, obviously, injuries will help dictate some other things. And, you know, the other the other thing about this receiver position is there are essentially five players. If we're assuming Corey Davis is going to be here and the way things are going for me, he'll probably, they'll probably make some announcement, some change about Corey Davis about five minutes after I post this episode. But if Davis is here, there are five wide receiver spots that are locked up, which is unusual, which means that may, there may only be one spot left uh, to earn a roster spot at, at wide receiver. So that'll bear watching. Denzel Mims is in the mix for that. Irv Charles is in the mix. There could be a few other guys. And we'll discuss that in more detail as we get deeper into training camp. Now, here on the Lockdown Jets podcast, we'll turn our attention to the tight end position. Well, let's be honest, it's not a great group, but there is one potential breakout player there who could earn a starting role, could earn a bigger spot on this team. We'll talk about Jeremy Ruckert. We'll talk about the other guys, the guys he could be replacing as we continue on this Tuesday edition of the Locked On Jets podcast. Today's episode of Locked On Jets is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Take your first swing at betting Major League Baseball on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's $200 you can spend betting everything from the money line to over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run. I would not bet on a Yankee. Uh, The Yankees not doing very well. Another loss last night in Anaheim to the Angels. I'll tell you, I'm a Yankee fan. I I don't think I'd put any money down on the Yankees this year. But, you know, you don't have to get involved in in FanDuel because FanDuel is an app that's safe, secure, and super easy, easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on Major League Baseball than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. We got FanDuel. There's no way to fix the Yankees, but at least we do have FanDuel. So sign up today. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen or first watch every day. Big shout out to you every day or as folks who listen to this podcast Monday through Friday. And if you're new to the show, this is a daily podcast. We do have new episodes each day through the week. We'll head into the season. We'll keep doing it through most of the offseason. Today we're talking about training camp, though. It's a very early stage of the 2023 year. Jets are about to report to training camp tomorrow. And we're looking at the offensive skill groups. We're looking at potential position battles on the offensive side of the ball, the players who will catch the ball, the players who will run the ball. And I've got my eyes at tight ends. Last year, the Jets signed two tight ends in free agency to fairly lucrative contracts, Tyler Conklin and CJ Uzama. Let's just say it did not work out very well. I mean, I guess Conklin's numbers were okay, but if you watch those games, uh, you know Conklin was not really that good of a signing and 
Uzama, I mean, you could look at the, the numbers. Do tell the story with Uzama. Two very disappointing free agent signings. Will they bounce back this year with Aaron Rodgers? Well, look, I mean, I guess anybody's going to look better with a better quarterback throwing you the ball. But does that mean you're better? Or does it just mean you have a better quarterback throwing? I mean, I could probably put better numbers up with Aaron Rodgers than with what the Jets had a quarterback a year ago. Doesn't mean I'm better, though. Uh, but there is some hope in the tight end position. And that's a player the Jets drafted late third round last year, Jeremy Ruckert. Jeremy Ruckert is my hope at the tight end position. Because I have no hope for Conklin or Uzama. But I remember when the Jets drafted Ruckert, it was an intriguing pick. And part of the reason it was intriguing is that Ruckert was on an offense at Ohio State where it almost felt like he was underutilized. He they had so much talent at receiver. I mean, they had at, at, during Ruckert's time at Ohio State, they had so they had four receivers who ended up being drafted in the first round. They had uh, Chris Olave. They had Jamison Williams, who had to go to Alabama to just to get on the field. I mean, think about that. I'm not saying he got transferred somewhere else to get playing time. He was good enough to play at Alabama, but Ohio State was so deep that he you know, wasn't really getting many opportunities. There also Jackson Smith and Jigba, who was a first-round pick this year, and one other guy I forgot to mention who you may be familiar with, Garrett Wilson. So in a situation like that, sometimes – it's easy to fall under the radar if you're a tight end. And I think you could argue that's what happened with Ruckert. Now, when the Jets drafted him, it was the end of the third round. And as you're probably familiar with, guys who are drafted at the end of the third round, they usually don't play a whole lot year one. They usually have some things on their in their game they need to work on. And that's why they're going at the end of the third round. If you were ready to play, you'd probably be like a first-round pick or a second-round pick. And Ruckert certainly did have some things he needed to improve upon. I mean, one of which is at Ohio State, first of all, he was not utilized that much in part because of all the receiving talents they had there. But also that offense does not necessarily uh, run by a great coach, Ryan Day, who, you know, one of the great coaches in college right now. But they don't run an offense that really asks the receivers to do a whole lot. Or I guess what I should say is they don't ask them to run a, a very diverse route tree. In the NFL, you get you if you ever look at an NFL playbook, it's amazing how many routes receivers need to run. In college, there are systems where the receivers only have to run a handful of routes. So there's a lot of learning that goes on. I, I've always viewed tight end as one of the most difficult positions to transition to in the NFL because it's kind of like learning like three or four positions in one where you kind of have to learn the blocking schemes. Then you have to learn the routes from playing in line at the tight end position. But you also kind of need to learn the wide receiver routes and that you have to learn the routes from both out wide and in the slot. Because sometimes teams will flex their, their, their tight ends out to the wide receiver position. Sometimes they'll flex the tight ends into the slot. It's not so easy to learn how to play tight end in the NFL. And that's why if you look through NFL history, there are not many tight ends who produce much as rookies. Even guys who are drafted in the first round tend not to be spectacular that first season. Sometimes it takes uh, most of the time it takes until year two before they're really making their mark in this league. And Rucker also, I think needed some development as a blocker because he came into the league and a lot of people will show like highlight videos of his great blocks at Ohio state. And you even saw he got some play time late last year. He had some highlight real blocks for the jets. And yes, he does post some pretty impressive blocks, but I don't think he plays with this, the level of consistency needed, or at least he did not, heading into this season. And part of that's, you know, he's got to learn technique. He's got to learn consistent hand placement when he's throwing his blocks. I think one of the things with Ruckert is that he, there are points, especially when he's blocking where he, he plays a little out of control. 
And that's not a bad thing. I'll put it this way. At the tight end position, I'd rather you be a little out of control than not aggressive enough. Because if you're, if you're out of, I don't, I don't know if out of control is the right phrase, but if you're playing a little out of control, then it shows you're aggressive. It shows you you're a willing blocker. And that's like half the battle. You'd rather a guy who, who's, who's too aggressive than a guy who's not aggressive enough. The guy who's not aggressive enough, you may never be able to teach him how to block properly. The guy who's aggressive, maybe too aggressive, you can teach him to channel that. You know, you like, you, as a blocker, there's one thing you really like. You like somebody who can hit the other, who likes hitting the other team. And if you got that, then you can teach. You know, that, then you can kind of show him proper technique. And Rucker, I think, has the tools to be a good tight end. Now, of course, we've seen this with the Jets. We've seen it. You see it across the NFL. You know, third round picks. I think probably maybe like one out of five of them turn into good starters in this league. So just having the potential itself does not necessarily mean that, you know, you're going to turn into a good player. But I do think Rutgers has the tools to potentially be a good player in this league at the tight end position. And, you know, I talked in the first segment about lining up in the slot, how Nathaniel Hackett likes to have that bigger bodied guy in the slot. Perhaps that could be a role for Rutgers this year. I, I don't think that there's really a lot blocking him. I think one of the advantages Ruckert has is the new offensive coordinator because it kind of gives you a fresh a fresh start. Uh, whenever there's a new coach who comes in, you know, everybody kind of is back to square one. If Mike LaFleur was still here, you have to assume that he was one of the driving forces behind the signings of Conklin and Uzama. LaFleur might look at this tight end position and say, well, these are my guys. I'm going to stick with them. Whereas Nathaniel Hackett's kind of looking at this saying, all right, well, I didn't bring any of these guys in, so the best guy is going to start because I don't, I don't have any loyalty to any of these guys. So we're just going to keep an, keep an open mind here. And that, that opens up a real opportunity for Ruckert. And I, if I have hope at the tight end position this year, it's going to be Jeremy Ruckert stepping into a bigger role. And I think that that was always the plan. People ask why the Jets drafted a tight end last year after they signed these two guys in free agency. Well, it's because you don't expect much from a tight end in year one. I mean, the Jets, you especially don't draft guys – at the end of the third round to start their first season, you're looking for a longer term development from them. And I think that Rucker, you know, should have every opportunity to earn the job. It's not like the Jets have a lot in front of him. So Rucker breaking out and developing into a quality starting tight end would be a huge development for the Jets. He, you know, a, a group that at the receiver position, they have a lot of credible players, but you know, still could use an upgrade at spots. Well, if Jeremy Rucker steps up, that's the kind of thing that improves your receiver position and it also improves your blocking and i think offensive line is another question area just the bottom line here is the jets could really use jeremy ruckert stepping up into a bigger role now head here on the locked on jets podcast we'll close out this tuesday episode our look at skill position players position battles we're going to turn to running back Brees hall's coming off an injury who's behind him i think that could that one could be wide open we'll discuss a little bit further as we continue this tuesday edition of the locked on jets podcast This is the Locked On Jets podcast here on this Tuesday. We're talking about training camp. The Jets are about to report tomorrow, and we're looking at the skill positions. A lot of focus this time of year is always about training camp battles. We've talked about the mix at wide receiver. We've talked about a potential breakout player at the tight end position. What about running back? Now, we know Brees Hall is the best running back on this team. We don't know quite what his recovery looks like yet. It's entirely possible Brees Hall could begin training camp on the physically unable to perform list. It's entirely possible, you know, he may not be ready for week one. 
And these are things you need to prepare for. Now, you hope for the best, of course. It would be the best case scenario for the Jets if Brees Hall is ready for the start of the season. But even if he is, I've been saying this through these through the spring, through the summer, and I continue to believe it. Jets got to be cautious with the way Brees comes back because you you want him fully healthy for the stretch run this year. Jets really missed Brees down, down the stretch a year ago. You want him really feeling good about things as we turn the page from September and October into November and December. And behind Brees, Jets have like a couple of young running backs who are bit up in the air. You have Michael Carter, who a year ago you felt, or at least I felt much better about than I do right now. And look, I understand the blocking wasn't good last year, but the fact of the matter is Michael Carter was losing, losing touches to Ty Johnson a year ago down the stretch. Not a good sign. You know, with all due respect to Ty Johnson, who for all of his faults actually I think did carry the ball pretty well down the stretch in 2022. You don't want to be losing touches to Ty Johnson, especially when you enter the year uh, viewed as one of the stronger players on the roster, which is what Michael Carter was. And he got off to a good start last year. I think his, you know, the first couple of uh, the first game, at least against Baltimore, he ran the ball really effectively. And for whatever reason, it just, you know, did not click. He was very inconsistent through the season. I actually found some stats that were interesting that suggested that Carter was better on gap running plays than zone running plays. But going through the film, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much I buy into that. I, I think there were just some games where Carter had it going. There were some games where the Jets blocked pretty well up front. But most of the season was ugly for Carter. Behind him, you have Bam Knight, who flashed a little bit. Bam Knight was very up and down last year. The first three games, he was excellent. In fact, I thought the Jets really had something. He had a very nice touchdown run in their road loss to Buffalo last year. And then at that point, really did not do a whole lot. But again, offensive line was not that good. So uh, Bam Knight's interesting. I think Bam Knight has the ability to create his own yardage. And then you have Izzy Abanaconda, who the Jets drafted day three this year out of Pittsburgh. Guy I had my eye on. And I usually try and keep the expectations very low for day three picks because, well, they're day three picks kind of a corollary to what I said about Rutger. Everything I said about Rutger applies even greater to day three picks, because if, you know, if you were really that good of a prospect, usually you would, you go day one or day two. That said with Ibanaconda, he plays running back and you see it every single year in the NFL. You, you'll see guys stepping into bigger roles. You'll see guys who come out of nowhere at the running back position. Running backs become a very interchangeable spot. You can look, you know, you can look across the league, at some of the running backs who are struggling to get the paydays that they want. It's not that hard, or at least relatively speaking. I shouldn't love things easy in the NFL, especially when you're talking about building a roster. But relative to other spots, it's easier to find a running back than it is practically any other position. Part of this is because a lot of running back success or failure is based on the quality of your blocking. But it's just become a position that it's not as hard to find quality players. And Abanaconda, one of the reasons I have my eye on Abanaconda is just his speed, his potential for big plays. And when I look at the running back position in the NFL these days, I think there are two things that really kind of stick out to me that where you add surplus value. One is the ability to hit a home run. And because once you get down the field, once you get like 10, 15 yards down the field, it's all about your ability to either run away from defenders or make guys miss in space. The importance of blocking is not as big down the field. In fact, it's practically gone. Whereas, you know, the first three to four yards, you're very dependent on blocking. Yeah, if a guy runs through the line untouched, you can make him miss. You can run through arm tackles, but you're really dependent on blocking those first three to four yards. And if you look, you know, if you look through some of the numbers, 
there's not a big difference between the great back and the okay back or the bad back, the first five yards. It's really about who produces the big plays. And the second thing I have my eye on is receiving skills because it is a passing league. So a running back who can create a mismatch, who, you know, gives linebackers and safeties problems one-on-one or a guy or running back who understands how to run a fairly diverse route tree, a running back who understands how to settle into a zone, how to read a coverage. That's a big advantage. Now, Banaconda, I don't know what he's going to provide as a receiver, but I think he's got the ability to potentially uh, hit some home runs. And perhaps that's the type of thing that can help the Jets bring Brees Hall along more slowly, or at least allow Brees Hall to come along at his own pace. And I think Bam Knight also has a little bit of speed. I, I, I saw him make some guys miss last year. I saw him make some big plays. To be honest with you, Carter's the guy I'm probably most down on because I, I went back and I reassessed his rookie season. He really wasn't producing a lot of big plays then either. So, you know, as much as I liked Michael Carter, the way he performed last year combined with just like rethinking what I value in a running back, it makes me a little bit lower on Michael Carter. So my eyes are more on Abanaconda and Bam Knight, and I'd love to be proven wrong by Michael Carter, but I think that the Jets, you know, unless they sign Dalvin Cook, and again, you know, the Jets have a way of proving you're wrong on things like this. By the time you're listening to this podcast, maybe the Jets will have signed Dalvin Cook, but it seems like the Jets are going young at running back, and it's not the worst approach in the world. You know, I think Cook at the right price makes sense for the Jets, but I don't have a big issue with going young at running back because, again, there are always guys who step up, always guys who come out of nowhere and produce quality play for you at the running back position like Bam Knight did for a couple of games at least last year. And maybe one of these young guys can kind of be the compliment to Brees Hall and help the Jets get through the early part of the season and then kind of slide into, into a lesser role as Brees gets stronger through the course of the 2023 season. Anyway, that's all for today's episode. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day is our motto. As always, if you enjoy the show, hit the subscribe button where you're watching or listening so that you'll never miss an episode. If you're listening on a podcast source, please give the show a five-star review. If you're listening on, if you're watching on YouTube, give this episode a big thumbs up. These things help us out and help other Jets fans find Locked On Jets. Hope you have a great Tuesday, everybody. Send in your mailbag questions. Tomorrow, we're going to have our weekly mailbag unless some news breaks like it kept happening last week. But we're going to try and do the mailbag, so send in your questions.